Trip After Party on the Power Trip Podcast Network. Drink this whole thing right now. I'm going to drink half of it. You drink the other. What, are you, what is okay. that that you have in your hand? Northland Vodka. And I'm going, it's. Uh, Wait, Parrish's sponsor? Northland yeah. Vodka? There's 750 milliliters here, which I believe is like seven gallons. <laughs> it's only 80 proof. Um, only I'm going to drink half of this that. bottle. You drink the other bought half. The 80 proof. Then we'll call it Friday, okay? <laughs> Sounds good. And we got to keep it away from AJ because he can't stop drinking vodka now. He had one sip of the KFAN beer and now he's and an alky. Raging yeah. alcoholic. Yeah. Raging. All right. I feel like to be a, a hockey nice player, either, AJ. Like a raging one. What? So, what's it feel like to be a hockey player? So uh, Dan Nystrom was uh, nice enough to stick around and do uh, the podcast with us. And Dan, these don't count, so these are not official points, but we always do the tiebreakers that we would have gotten to on the podcast. So it's bonus initials. It's kind of an exhibition. So you can take a consolation prize if you get one of these two. You guys Perfect. ready? Give me a consolation prize. Give the bottle of North. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not like... Uh, you got him anything today, right? Yeah. It's not like you got a... Yeah, a lot of help let, you were on that Let's just get, stay, to stay, get to the clues. Get to the clues, You stayed out of my way. All right. Uh, SB. Tiebreaker one, SB. Yell out your name if you know this. Clue one. Has been a TV personality, scientist, actor, and murderer. Clue number two. Uh, he was a recurring character. Clue number three. He was an animated criminal voiced by Kelsey Grammer. Oh, Paul. Yep. Sideshow Bob. Sideshow Bob is correct. Sauce would have been the winner if a tiebreaker had occurred. Uh, Tiebreaker number two. Here we go. Clue number one. Connected to significant human trafficking. Paul. Yep. Super Bowl. Dominant. Sauce locked in today. Super Bowl. Too bad you weren't near the microphone. Nobody heard the answer. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the number one one human trafficking event in the U.S. every year is the Super Bowl. I think the NFL is proud of that. Ah, They don't have much of a choice. They try to combat it, but yeah. Just a lot of wealthy people in one spot, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, We're like, uh, uh, we just met for the first time today. So can I ask you some improper questions? Or are you going to like um, be un- uncomfortable with that? No, that's, go ahead. So um, you kick the game-winning field goal as a freshman, and you go to the U of M, and you're surrounded by 20-year-old girls, and you're a single man at that point. <laughs> Were they just throwing it at you? <laughs> throwing it? Throwing, throwing it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were just grabbing it. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was pro- I was popular. Yeah, I bet. I bet. brilliant That's response. That's the best answer yeah. ever. I was yeah, yeah. popular. Yeah, 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 yeah man. That's uh, were cool. you popular before that kick? Like just being on the Gopher football team brings you some popularity, correct? It does. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, for whatever reason, being a hometown kid, and um, I don't know. In general, kickers don't get a whole lot of. FaceTime, they don't get a lot of media time, but uh, and I'm sure a lot of it had to do with making that kick at Penn sure. State. But I, I always got asked for interviews. Everyone wanted to know what I was doing and and thinking, and so. So how about this? You know, like um, uh, I assume you know when a when a, some, a team will win a World Series, like the Red Sox or Cubs, somebody that's been waiting forever to win it. Right, it'll be like whoever's the hero of that series is like drinks on the house for the rest of your life, right? Like some bar will basically be like you know open tab forever. Do you have any of that? Like, is there somebody in town that's like Dan? 
I'm a giant Gopher fan or whatever, and on the house anytime you come in for the rest of your life. Are you a, a legendary status at a bar somewhere in the Twin Cities? No, but actually, you you bring up a good point. I should find someone you really like sure. that. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be someone Going out with there with parachute bars sure. every time. <laughs> right. Just have parachute now, your sidekick. I, I will say, like if I, you know, if I'm going down to a Gopher football game and we go around to the tailgates and and meeting such great people down there, there's there's plenty of. Uh, plenty of fans sure. uh, down at those mm. tailgates, but um, yeah, I don't have a spot in town. Like, I need to find one of those. I've, I've got one for you. It's in my basement, and there's <laughs> yeah, right. all kinds of northern vodka for you there, yeah, brother. Yeah, right, right. Uh, why does Parrish always invite people to his basement that he doesn't know? There's what, no what closing the, time. What the fuck's right? going on down in his basement? Yeah, uh, Dan, um, the first home I ever bought was off of Louisiana Avenue in New Hope, right by Winnetka. Yeah. Where did you grow up? I grew up, well, I was born in Worthington, Minnesota, but oh, okay. lived the majority of my life. We moved up back up here to the cities when I was five. Right. Um, I lived right off Boone Avenue and 42nd, so New Hope. Yeah, yeah. no yeah. kidding. So you went to Cooper or Armstrong? I went to Cooper. You went to Cooper. So, But I went to Plymouth Middle School, so I, you know, um, but I was, uh, I walked to Cooper. So right. I wanted to go to Armstrong, actually, initially, because everyone from Plymouth Middle School went to Armstrong. Sure. Uh, I had an older sister that was already at Cooper, so my, my parents nixed that pretty quickly. We, right. weren't, we weren't having inter-family, inter-district uh, rivalry. You <laughs> made two 50-yard field goals in one game as a high school. I did. Wow. Has that ever been done wow. since, as far as you know, do you think? I don't know if it has been done. And actually, a great story with that. I, I played in soccer cleats that had um, – um, just for kicking wise, but then I would, you know, playing linebacker and fullback, I needed to make sure that I had um, long enough cleats. So I used to take rugby cleats and screw them into the bottom of my cle- uh, shoes. Huh. And rugby cleats are metal. And we were the team we were playing noticed that. So um, the field goal I had to <laughs> kick that was over 50 yards right before halftime. They made me take my cleats off, and I had to borrow the backup quarterback's high top cleats. And went out there and pounded a fifty yarder wow. with those. So that that was pretty pretty awesome. And I assume you you did not think you were going to make it with that shoe. Well, no. I mean, he it was too it was a couple sizes too big for me. It was a high top. You know, I'm used to this. You yeah. know, <laughs> I'm used to this sure. perfectly formed cleat for my foot. Um, so you're kicking with a flipper. That's right. So when that one went through, that I was I was pretty pumped up. You turned towards the sideline and just. Degeneration. <laughs> <laughs> mean mug to tattletales. I, I had a little high knees celebration going on, yeah. you know, after that was done. When did you start kicking? What age? You know, I um, I started playing soccer when I was in, like, fourth grade. I played football when I was in third grade, and I was the quarterback, and uh, we didn't have a very good team. Uh, so my mom decided that uh, she wanted to save me a little bit and put me into soccer. So I um, started playing soccer, and then – Started playing football again in eighth grade, um, and I actually didn't even kick for my eighth grade football team. You know, we do we just dink around before practice and kick a little bit. But it wasn't until uh, before my freshman year, um, Coach uh, uh, Olfke, um, he was the head football coach for Cooper at the time. Uh, he held like a little uh, pre preseason camp for incoming freshmen, mm-hmm. and one day he said, "Hey, we're, we're just the next day." We're gonna try special teams, so punting, kicking, that kind of thing. So I grabbed my old soccer cleats and uh, went out there, and all of a sudden I was kicking it over the field goal post. Into and the, you didn't know at that point that you were good at that, or you just gave it a shot? No, I didn't. I had never really tried. N- it. Never really tried it. And, hadn't, uh, hadn't learned technique or trained for it. You just liked to kick soccer balls far. Yeah, so I just got up there and tried to kick it, and uh, 
went pretty well. And then over time started to learn a little bit more about like how to actually do this. And it probably wasn't even until college where I really started to figure out the technique and if uh, things aren't going right or you want to tweak something here or there, you know, became more of a master at the craft. So from ninth grade, though, when did you think you were a D1 caliber kicker? Um, what age? I, I started to go to Gary's Honor, held a, held a kicking camp over in River Falls, um, and I went to that camp my sophomore year, I think, sophomore, junior year for the first time. And then they have other um, college athletes that come in, kickers. Mm-hmm. And, and Long snappers. Yep, yeah. long Spartans snappers to too. Yeah. And, yeah, and they even they even have a guy out there that's teaching um, guys, they call them the dinosaurs, that have like the flat toe shoe mm-hmm. that still kick that way too. So, I mean, they kind of – he ran a nice camp. Um, but that's – you have a counselor, and they, they give you kind of some feedback at the end of the three days or whatever that you're there. Uh, and that was kind of the first time I was like, wow, you know, this may be, you know, something that could happen. And then I started to get, you know, back back when I was in high school, the, you know, college teams would start to send you letters and they'd want you to fill out all the information. And I was terrible at doing that. But, you know, that's how they did recruiting. We didn't have social media. We didn't, yeah. you know, any of that kind of stuff. So and then I went to the U of M uh, kicking camp as well. And I, I won the competition there. I went there for three years. I won their kicking competition two, um, you know, two years. And, and I, that's kind of how I got on their radar. Gotcha. Um, so then, wait a yeah. what did that what did that first guy tell you the guy that gave you the critique after three days yeah it was what, just what, what did he say he said you could do this yeah like, this I mean it legit. was yeah it was you know strong leg good accuracy you know um definitely d1 potential and that's mm. kind of wow. when I started to think wow man this is that's cool it's kind of cool yeah. that got you a free ride to college it think did, about that. It did. that's sweet it so did. when, that's when awesome. that guy tells you you have d1 potential do you just go home and basically do the equivalent of take a thousand shots from three-point range like are you just kicking constantly then going this is my this is my path um no um oh I mean, man <laughs> i would have gone all in on that and be like this is the only chance i have I'm I mean, I, kick for the I, rest of my life. I mean, I definitely started to refine my technique, um, yeah. absolutely, uh, and and tried to learn as much as I could. And um, but I was playing linebacker, I was playing running back, and I just love football in general. So, and I had gotten some interest from D two schools to to come and do kind of everything. Mm. Um, so I wasn't really sure how it was all going to pan out. And kickers don't always get offered scholarships. A lot of times at even the highest level, they want you to come in, they want you to be a preferred walk-on um, and then earn earn a spot. Um, but it was actually right after I kicked the two 50-yarders in the game, I got a call from Gordy Shaw, um, who was the guy had been recruiting me a little bit and, and they offered me a scholarship. So uh, it was pretty awesome. I mean, and I had absolutely no idea. Not that they weren't maybe interested, but I had no idea that I was going to get that call. It was on a Sunday, you know, evening, um, you know, calls to the house phone and here's Gordy Shaw saying, Hey, we want you to be a gopher and we're going to offer you a scholarship. Um, you would tackle from time to time too, then I would guess, right? Since you, when you were on kickoffs and such like that, since you played a little linebacker. Yes. I was not the safety, you know, usually yeah. the kicker holds back. I, sure. I, I kick it and, and go yeah. try to make as many tackles as I could. No, I didn't. You ever tackling by famous? Anybody that got famous? Oh, well, actually, you know, like Mike Lehan, he played for the Gophers, too. He was a running back. Um, I tackled him all the time. Right. You know, we played Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, right. um, trying to think of other guys, um, you know, that would have played. We actually had a couple other Gophers on our team um, that that really didn't have playing a whole lot, but uh, that got scholarships. Uh, yeah, I'm, r- I'm, r- I'm sorry, I meant when you were in college. When oh, when I was in college. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, when I was with the Gophers, I had to make a few tackles, which I didn't mind. Yeah. I did play safety. They, they okay, made me. Did, they made. Right. They made me play safety. I thought you were maybe talking high no, school, but that, yeah. you know, they they wouldn't let me do that. Actually, <laughs> uh, funny story. Um, when I was just competing for the job my freshman year, um, one of the GAs grabbed me because I hadn't won the kicking spot yet, and just threw me out as like a DB on um, on the practice team, you know, and. Um, I was like, this is great. It gives me something else to do at practice. And uh, Mason caught wind of that and saw me over there. And and let's just say that the <laughs> the, the the GA didn't uh, got a little bit of a mouthful. I would guess. Yeah, you don't want your kicker out there making uh, tackles. But um, but I did. I mean, and and I think that certainly helped. I um, stopped maybe a couple longer runs because you know instead of just totally playing back, uh, I would try to get up in the hole and try to figure out maybe where that guy would break one because. Whether you're a kicker or anybody else, if you get a lot of these guys in open space and it's just you and them and you're coming at them and kind of flat-footed, like, you have not much of a chance at all. Mm. So you really have to, as even as a safety, you have to get yourself in the, in the right position in case they kind of break through the hole. Did you uh, have uh, much of uh, um, in the NFL? I, I don't know. I looked. I couldn't find much. I was in uh, training camp with the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. Yeah, um, so, um, so they, you know, uh, which was an unbelievable experience. I mean, like Ray Lewis, Jonathan Ogden, um, Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson. <laughs> I even know a couple of those names. But who's Ron Johnson? <laughs> I think it was the '99 Baltimore Ravens draft was three Hall of Famers. It's Ogden. Um, Ray Lewis, and then there's one other that were all in that draft right. that are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, un- what, what unbelievable you experience. Out? You know, Matt Stover had been That'll a Baltimore yeah, Raven, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, right? Since yeah, uh, sure. since they left Cleveland, um, and they had Super Bowl aspirations, and it's it's tough to unseat someone like that. Um, and then so much of it is just about being in the right spot at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, having that right connection, having your agent be able to get you a tryout or getting in that head-to-head, you know, who's going to make more field goals than the other person in practice and in games opportunity to really make a team. And and those don't come by very often. So um, you just kind of hope to get an opportunity, make a little bit of name for yourself, and then and then maybe uh, have that right spot, right time moment come come along. You know, to your point, uh, though, earlier, Dan, about um, about – wanting to do other things but being the kicker you know like Otani in baseball is really the first pitcher we've seen that is a legitimate threat to hit in a long time right and I can't even imagine the money a guy like that can make if he can be a top-end pitcher and a legitimate hitter right think if you had a kicker that was a top flight specifically quarterback for fakes right if the guy could truly throw the ball that would be unbelievable but even if you could have your safety or your running back or a position player that wouldn't take up a roster spot because he was your kicker as well I mean that would be a giant plus for any team if somebody could truly do both and there's no reason they couldn't right if if you're a super super good athlete and you just are unbelievably proficient at kicking but just happen to excel at a different position what a massive advantage for a football team if anybody can figure that out. And we kind of almost saw that this year with Corey Vedvik and his ability to potentially be a punter and a kicker. Now, that didn't work out. Right. Um, but, it, you know, expanding on that question, answer his first, and then can somebody do that, punt and kick? Do you think that is a – now that that door is open, is that something that can save a roster spot? I think it could be done. Uh, I think once you get to the highest level in the NFL, because it's been done in college where you know guys have kicked and punted, 
most of the time what happens because it's a bit of a different motion um, when you're punting versus when you're kicking. So a lot of times you'll see guys that will have a great game punting, and if they're also doing the kicking, they'll struggle a little bit there or vice versa. So not that it can't be done, um, but it is challenging because it's a it's a little bit of a different type of emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like another you know um, athlete kicking, there's certainly guys out there that can do it, that have done it, or maybe like the backup backup. Um, yeah, but it's so specialized, and you know, even like with the extra points moving back, you know, and so many NFL games come down to three points or less. So when you're in that situation, you really want to have someone that's focused specifically on that. And I mean, let's be let's be honest. Like, there's freak athletes in the NFL um, and in all in all professional sports and college sports, but um, all those guys are so focused on their specific craft, whether it's a receiver or a linebacker, running back. No different than even like a snapper. Sure. I mean, that was a crazy deal when I got to the NFL and I had a great snapper in Derek Rackley initially my my freshman year too um, and Val Zemke was uh, the snapper after me but these guys would take snaps and the laces they they know the rotation of the ball um, so that they get the laces on a punt snap straight up and on a field goal snap laces straight out so like everything is perfect I mean it's all dialed in down to that level Um, so it's it's difficult I think for someone to split time crazy Um, uh, random questions here we go Uh, we all have uh, saw uh, and everybody of a certain age knows the greatest moment of your kicking life I would guess what was the worst one oh the worst one probably was against Purdue my junior year um, I didn't like miss a, ever miss a game winner, but I missed a field goal or that could have put the game out of reach. Right. And they came back and um, drove down the field with like 20 seconds left and kicked a long field goal to win to to beat us. I mean, we mm-hmm. had the game in hand. I missed a field goal that would have sealed the game, and then they came back and kind of improbably got this deal. You know, long pass had to spike the ball with like one second left and and the other guy made the field goal. So it was kind of like wrong? Um I think on that one I just pushed it out to the right. I mean, you know, it's it's just a little bit of a technique deal and um you know, just missed it. Sometimes yeah. you just miss it. Just so sure. Well, how about the perfect example of that is uh the, on the Monday night football game. The guy speaking of Robbie Gould who you were talking about earlier uh out in the hall, he's out in um San Francisco so they got the other guy in. And the other guy makes one to tie it, and then he gets an opportunity to win it, and it goes so fucking left. You're like, what the <laughs> hell? It's on. I mean, he yeah. nails but that, that was, one right down the gut. I think it, the and laces. Just like kicks it. I think. I seriously. I think they. I saw a picture of it. It was straight it on was the laces. Awful. I mean, yeah. but but that's that's the difference between, you know, straight yeah. and that right in your in your prime what's the longest field goal you ever made practice warm-ups in a game whatever just how far what was your max my max was right about 60 yards so 60 61 uh probably the longest one i made in college like in in um in high school i kicked i think a 65 yarder but you get to kick off a tee so it's a little bit different um from a field goal standpoint so yeah right around that 60 yard range so how, how does that work? I guess I don't pay enough attention to high school football. Do they still do that first off? And is there a holder that sets it on a tee? 
It's well, it's actually called a it's called a block. So okay. it's flat, oh, but okay. you can do a one inch or a two inch block. And yeah, so as you get the like a tee in golf. Like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, as they get the snap, they set it down in that block or tee, um, and it just sets the ball up off the ground. So you know, easier to kick a ball further versus having to kick it right off the ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. no different than like in golf. So, um, can you still kick your foot above your head? I can. <laughs> I can still. I can still Ruben. pound. I can still pound some field goals I think too. That makes one of yeah. them. So, <laughs> oh, hockey can. Yeah. No, I'd have to be involved in a car crash. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, um, when, once you were um, standing and the ball was about to be snapped, can you tell me what your process was? Because what I've been told, and I interviewed Dan Bailey two weeks ago, and I interviewed Austin Cutting yesterday, and both of them told me the most important thing about their job was to do it the exact way every time. Can you still tell me your process from the moment the ball is snapped? Yeah, and I can tell you the process even from before that. I, I have I take three steps back, two steps over, right? And I repped that over and over and over again. So... You could actually probably take like a penny and without me even kicking a ball, like I could take my steps back and I could keep doing it the same every single time. So I would start at the same at the same point. And then for me, it was really just taking that a direct line to my plant foot, um, making sure that I kept my head down. Uh, and following straight through. I mean, so those were kind of down, like on looking at the ball or at the ground or what? At the yeah, at the ball, you know, like um, watching that ball as soon as it came through, watching my foot kick the ball. So pre-snap, um, you're following the ball, or what are you looking at? Pre-snap, I would always, like my snapper had a little bit of a hitch, So and you have to get the ball off in like 1.28 seconds. Mm-hmm. So it's a it, you got to be quick. Um, so as soon as I would see him hitch, I would take a little jab step, and I would start going even before the ball's there. Wow. Um, How long did it take you to figure that out? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, especially going from high school to college, and this is where everything just speeds up. Everyone talks about the game speeding up when you get to college. Well, even for a kicker, everything speeds up because you got guys coming off the outside. If you, you have to get that ball off in a certain period of time. So you have to get used to not seeing it as long as you usually would. Um, and so I, I figured out, like, it would be like in my peripheral and I would watch as soon as he started to hitch, then I would start to go. And then I immediately went right to the ball and tried to get as long a look at the football as possible because you know you can mentally um, just process things and, and, and then just kind of muscle memory takes over. But How quickly did you, whether it was going through the process, walking up to the ball, you either knew like, I got this or, oh shit. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, like in hockey, like when pucks would come near me, all of a sudden I could tell, like in the windup before I even got to that puck, like, I'm off. Holy hell, this is not going to hit the net. This is going in. <laughs> or, like, oh hell yeah, I'm burying this bitch. You know, like, so, like, I wonder if that feeling, how you felt about that. Absolutely. Well, and so much of it is just having confidence. And, and, um, like my freshman year, especially even after like the Penn State kick, and, um, Every time I went out, I didn't even watch most of the balls go through the uprights because I took off my steps the right way and just felt like, hey, if I nail this, if I nail this and and kind of go through my routine, I know it's going to go in. I don't, and actually, I'm trying to even think of the stats, but I don't know if I missed any after that Penn State kick um, the rest of the season. Um, but you just, I didn't even watch them go through. I just, yeah. you can feel it off your foot and know kind of if um, if everything is going to turn out all right. Now, my junior year, um, I struggled a little bit, um, and I didn't really know why. And that was where I probably learned how to kick more 
than any other time in my career is trying to figure out, hey, I don't know why this is happening. Um, I feel like I'm doing everything kind of the same way. Um, but, you know, so that's the hard part is when you go out there and you're not exactly sure what's happening. So what was it? Well, um, kind of, a, I think I got, I got a little bit too upright um, and I was leaning back just a little bit when I got in the ball and it was such a small thing and it just, it created the ability to spray a ball a little bit like right or left. So, so, I mean, it, it becomes very technical yet. It's just, it's, it's about, um, you know, having a lot of repetition and, and muscle memory takeover. How much of it with your leg is almost like a golf swing? Like you gotta, it's all that one motion, like you just said. And if there's anything between this and the ball that screws up, it'll go way right. It'll go way left. It'll hook. Is it similar to that? I think it's a lot like golf. And actually, I think you'll find that a lot of uh, good kickers are yeah. are pretty good golfers. Yeah. Dan Bailey's an Ryan exceptional. Longwell. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. So, but it's very similar. I mean, it's it's a technique thing. It's a timing thing. And there's so much more that goes into it as well. You know, obviously having a, a great snap and hold makes a difference. The way that the ball is uh, is held and tilted a little bit. Um, it it there's there's a lot more that goes into it than than just what people think. So now, be honest with us. You're on the radio. You can be a tough guy. This is a safe space. You can be vulnerable here. <laughs> you essentially, you essentially. I, I looked this up when you said uh, Lavar Arrington, 6'4", 45 inch vertical, two fifty. That is the equivalent of LeBron James. Okay, LeBron's a little taller, but his vertical is a little shorter. So you're kicking against a guy who, to today's reference, is essentially the best basketball player physically. You know, big, tall, fast, can jump high. You, you. Have you ever game planned for a specific player outside of that situation? And how much of a of a game plan was it outside of just your normal kicking practice each week? Yeah, that's a great question. And no, he is the only person that we actually prepared for like that from a just a kicking standpoint. So I mean, kudos to Mason for just for realizing that and thinking about it. And that's and the only good thing he's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> that open this morning was pretty good. <laughs> it was. Yeah, but that was that guy. No. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But he is the only one that we prepared specifically like that. I mean, obviously, they're they're looking at how guys are rushing and, and things like that and making sure that your protection is set up, set up the right way. But from a kicking purpose in particular, like, he's the only one that we prepared for ever like something crazy doing something like that uh, final point or two for dan nystrom then we'll wrap up the uh, the podcast but uh are you familiar with tommy olson he's on our show once in a while former gopher uh offensive lineman yeah. yeah uh he admitted and his brother uh ed played for the uh, the gophers as well but he admitted that he cried multiple times at tcf bank while it was happening on saturday but even cried as recently as monday morning when he heard the call back did you get emotional at all this weekend and if so when yeah, it was. Um, I didn't. I didn't cry, um, but it was emotional. And and actually, sitting up in the stands, I thought about rushing down on the field. I went to the game with Ben Utech and my wife Summer and his wife Karen, and we were sitting there watching, thinking, "Man, should we rush the field or not?" <laughs> and we didn't. But it, I actually just kind of was sitting up there, almost in awe because what a cool yeah. moment and. You know, going into the game, um, I, I had confidence. We had been playing really well, um, and I thought it was going to be a good game. But in that first half, we were really dominating. And then for it to come down in, in the fourth quarter like it did, um, where 
you know, Penn State's driving. They've got a shot to win the game, uh, which would have just been a gut punch, I yeah. think, for all Gopher right. fans. Guy tripped. That would have been a touchdown if he hadn't. Yeah, tripped himself. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, um, wow. But but then to sit up there and watch the uh, the stadium erupt, and then watch everyone down on the field, um, it was it was just fun to just take it all in. What are you doing with life after football? Uh, I'm I'm in sales. I uh, sell employee benefits to company or oh, yeah. to companies sure. uh, for a company called Sun Life Financial. So I've uh, been in that industry for a while and and do some coaching uh, a little bit just uh, for my son's team and uh, I've done some uh, some worked with the specialists at Moundsview High School. So um, yeah, that's great. Do you um, think you could sell? Do you think you could sell this podcast? Because we're not making a god dang penny yeah, off of great. this thing. Screw <laughs> this podcast. How about vodka? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I'm so glad I got really lucky because last thing here, and we'll be done, I promise. But I read an article about you and how you proposed to your wife. But I couldn't come up with a creative way to ask you <laughs> this question because I, it's been 20 years ago. Tell these guys how you prepare, uh, proposed to your wife. Yeah. Um, so I, I, um, I took um, flowers um, and I gave her a flower um, every hour on the hour. I brought them in to her work and gave him her flower every hour on the hour. Uh, and then when she came home um, to, her, to her, she was at her parents' place, um, I, I sang her a song and, and uh, gave her a, a golden flower and got down on my knee, asked her to marry, uh, marry me. And then we went out and celebrated after I rented a Porsche Boxster and Sweet. Um, went out to, to dinner. And yeah, it was a, it was a pretty awesome Did you day. go to like Red Lobster? Where'd you take yeah, her? We, we actually... <laughs> We went, fancy. we went to Jack's Cafe. Oh, there you go. Oh, you know, yeah. in, 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 in Northeast. And actually, this is a funny story. So we roll up in the white Boxster, and uh, we're getting ready to park. And all of a sudden, in a maroon Boxster, rolls up this guy smoking a cigar, uh, and he says, nice car. And it's Jesse Ventura. Are you? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's pretty awesome. Like running into him in the parking lot. But um, – Jack's Cafe was awesome. It's it's a place that uh, I remember going to just um, you know growing up and and so that's that's where we went. Here's so the wait. weird thing though. Uh, do you know what, what song what song he sang? Can't wait to hear it. Smells like Teen Spirit. Where's the <laughs> And the weirdest part of the whole story is she said no. <laughs> but speaking of singing, is it, you, you can carry a tune a little bit or what? Uh, is that why you're friends with Ben? You guys get along and just do duets in basements, or what do you guys do? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I was roommates with Ben. We came in at the same time, and and actually, we did a lot of singing when yeah. I was at the U. We we sang the national anthem a lot of different places, mm-hmm. and um, Chris has retired from that permanently. He hates it. Nope. <laughs> is it, that, is it. What's more terrifying, a, a big game-winning kick or singing a national anthem in front of a giant crowd? Um, probably singing a national anthem. Um, you know, I, I I grew up singing, so I was in choirs and and things like that um growing up and um so certainly a fun thing to do uh with with benny uh he's still doing a great job with his you know he's he's dabbling on that and yeah yeah, he did um so and they're they're really good but um i don't do it as much anymore i sing at a few weddings every once in a while or if 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 someone asks me to i'll sure certainly uh certainly do it what about on a podcast yeah what about right now (laughs) smells like teen spirit just like back in the day (laughs) I like just, to have a little bit more preparation. I mean, yeah. we're, you know, it's early in the morning. Well, drink know. some of the sips of the North on, on the next drink. Drink. That's, right. That's right. Now, if I would have had it. half of this before the I podcast, I, I, I probably would have been 
Just already last going. Last 45 seconds. Just <laughs> give us a little Ave Maria and we'll get out of here. <laughs> Dude, this has been a lot of fun, man. Thanks for sticking yeah, around. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Great Appreciate to meet you, man. Yeah, right. Come back and uh, play the initials. Now you know how to do it. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. On. We uh, <laughs> Shocking. This was Ron Johnson's idea. But we've uh, we've done like an all wild game in the past where we mm-hmm. had like Dubnik and Zucker and Coyle and Dumbo square off. Sure. And uh, you know, Ron, like a year or two ago, said it would be kind of fun to get like an all gopher team, like Agreed. you know, Waylon, Ron, I don't know, Utech, Dan. Like we could get four or five gophers and just have a gopher square off. Parrish would fucking hate that episode because he hates so the gopher. Would, when would the St. Cloud State Huskies episode <laughs> how, be? How would we find five successful people from St. Cloud? Cullen's retired. That's two. You and Colin, that's it. My mom was Can we there. take Moscow from the Gophers no. and steal him for a second? No. No. <laughs> Dan, thanks, man. Nice to meet you. Thanks, thanks for yeah. hanging out. Thanks, guys. See you, dude.